0: This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> on this jam-packed busy Friday here on 98.7 ESPN, we got Julian Kushnick, Chantel Rankin. They're producing the program tonight. As always, you can get me on Twitter, at Dan Grossa G-R-A-C-A. I'm loving these last two days. Loving them. Love the college hoops, and when the NCAA tournament rolls around, these first two days of the tournament where it's hoops wall-to-wall, from basically 12 o'clock in the afternoon till about 1230 at night. There's nothing like it. I'll put these two days up with any other on the sports calendar throughout the year. And that could be, you know, the first Sunday of the NFL season. That could be opening day baseball, whatever, whatever you want it to be. These two days are tremendous. And we got some good ones going today, moments ago, UConn. And I'll tell you what. UConn made a statement today, guys. They really and truly did, because this was a game. Now, I know that there was local flavor on both sides with Iona and the Huskies, but, you know, there was some thought that Iona could keep this thing a little interesting, and they did for a half. I thought the first half of this game today was maybe the best half so far of the tournament. I mean, it was like race car pace for both of these teams. Unbelievable shot making, tremendous tempo up and down the floor. And Iona goes to the locker room with a two-point lead. But second half was a totally different story because UConn was too big, too strong. They flexed their muscle. Jordan Hawkins, who had a real quiet first half, he got going in half number two. And Iona just ran out of answers. You know, UConn basically wore them down. You know, Patino doesn't play a lot of guys. Iona, you know, Danny Hurley will go 10 deep if he has to. And they just wore them down. And, you know, as a buddy of mine was saying it to me, even before the tournament got underway, it's like, you know, UConn and the reason why they're dangerous. And I picked UConn to go to the final four, by the way, out of the West. UConn getting them out of the Big East, seeing some other styles, some other tempos that could do wonders for them. Now, look, you're going to play teams a lot better than Iona, teams you know outside the MAC conference, of course, and things are going to get a little bit more challenging for them as they go. But I'll tell you, at least if the last 20 minutes count for anything, this was a heck of a step and a heck of a statement for UConn. So they're going to move on and take on St. Mary's out of the uh, out of the West Coast Conference. In the next round. And I thought St. Mary's would actually get picked off by BCU. BCU, though, they lost their point guard to an injury early in the second half, messed up his ankle, went back to the locker room, and I think Winley saw him for like two minutes the rest of the game. So St. Mary's pulled away in the second half from BCU. So that's what the Huskies have next. St. Mary's will get after it defensively. St. Mary's already beat Gonzaga this year, you know, being in that same conference out there. So, you know, again, another challenge. Should UConn beat them? Yes. But it's going to be a little bit more challenging than it was, of course, against Iona. And now if you are Iona, now if you are St. John's, you're going to sit here and wonder how soon is it going to be before you get word on what Rick Pitino's next step is going to be. Right. There have been all these rumors that this was going to be it for him at Iona, that some of these other teams that already expressed interest, whether it be St. John's, whether it be Georgetown, whether it be even Texas Tech. And remember, Texas Tech's got money. Okay, and I understand that it's in a different part of the country, different conference, all those things. But you know what? Texas Tech can outbid and outpay what St. John's and Georgetown can offer. 100 percent. So we'll see what Patino wants to do. It seems like all the dots are connecting him to St. John's, but we'll see. And if it happens, look, it's only going to be good for basketball in this town. It's only going to be good for St. John's because the guy's going to bring instant credibility. You're talking about a guy who is, you know, name it. He's a Hall of Famer. The guys won at every level of basketball, freaking even internationally. Remember when he went over to Greece when he was trying to get back into basketball again? I think he won a championship out there, for crying out loud. So he's easily a top, you know, probably three coach that is still on the sidelines right now in college basketball. So if it's St. John's, great, and uh, we'll see what happens here. But I would expect probably in the next, you know, week or two that you're going to have finality on this, and it might be even closer to the one-week side because in college sports right now, and especially in college basketball— Monday, this past Monday, they opened up the transfer portal, and that's what's become the name of the game is now in college sports. As soon as they opened up the transfer portal, there were like hundreds, hundreds of names in it already after only a few hours. So you need to get a roster. you got to identify kids. you got to re-recruit the guys that are even on your team. It it, it really is like the wild, wild west. So we'll see what happens here on that front, and we'll keep you posted on the games that we still have coming up here this evening. We'll watch them together. FDU is trying to shock the basketball world, much like Princeton did last night. The 16th seed um, FDU Knights right now, believe it or not, have themselves a six-point lead over Purdue – Midway through the first half, top seed Purdue. And, hey, never can out Jersey, right? As we remembered last year with St. Peter's, a 15 seed, go all the way to the Elite Eight. Princeton last night, busting a lot of brackets, coming from behind to beat Arizona in the second half of that game out West. And speaking of Princeton... Their head coach, Mitch Henderson, is going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock tonight. You know, they're out on the West Coast, so we figure, you know what, now's a good chance to get them on. You know, it's a little bit earlier out there, so they obliged, and we're looking forward to talking to the Tigers head basketball coach coming up a little bit later on in the program. They've got themselves yet another test, of course. Tomorrow they're going to take on Missouri out of the SEC. So the hoops is on fire. Providence and Kentucky getting underway here in a little bit. It's been a while since John Calipari won a tournament game in Kentucky. Remember, they got upset by St. Peter's last year. So big one for them, and there have been these rumors all season long about maybe should Kentucky move on from Coach Cal. Maybe they both could use you know, a refresh someplace else. Um, so we'll keep our eyes all on the hoops as we move forward uh, throughout the night and plenty of your phone calls, too, at 800 And how's everybody's bracket doing? Right? How are your brackets still looking after a day and a half? Mine aren't bad. I still have all my Final Four teams. I have six of my eight Elite Eight teams. The ones that I got wrong, I got Texas A&M wrong. I thought they would actually make a run. You know, A&M was left out of the tournament last year. They would played real, real good basketball the last couple of months down in the SEC. But I'll tell you, Penn State just shot lights out last night. And watch out for Penn State. They are a live dog right now. And the other thing maybe why I was a little hesitant and skeptical on Penn State I tend to shy away from these teams, and I don't have a lot of confidence in these teams going into the tournament where there's always some speculation surrounding their head coach. You know, because Micah Shrewsbury, the coach of Penn State, he's already been rumored to maybe be going to greener pastures, whether it's Georgetown, whether it's, you know, one of these other available jobs. And generally speaking, if a team has a coach that's rumored possibly to be moving on to a new job, it, it affects the play. Like, case in point, remember last year, Seton Hall in the first round of the tournament with Kevin Willard Seton Hall went out West and they it, it was probably one of the worst performances by any team in the entire tournament and they didn't stand a shot and then five minutes after the game ended Kevin Willard was already the new coach of Maryland so um, that's why I didn't go Penn State when push came to shove but hey they were pretty damn good last night that's for sure so tournament is uh, in full go and there is nothing like it here at eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. now We're going to do a lot of the football tonight, as you would expect, because, you know, when we last talked to you, what was it, Wednesday, I was on the air Wednesday afternoon with Bart, and that was when the Aaron Rodgers stuff broke, and that was when, you know, he went on Pat McAfee, and he told the world that his intention is to play for the Jets, and it was craziness, pandemonium, and even 48 hours later, it's still surreal that Aaron Rodgers had words come out of his mouth that said, I want to play for the New York Jets, which, you know, People don't say those things. You know, people don't say, "I want," at least with options, right? And somebody who is a first ballot, all-time great Hall of Famer like Aaron Rodgers generally does not associate with the New York Jets, but that's what's going to happen. But when will it happen? And how will it happen? Right? And that's the next point of business here that both of these teams are going to have to get on with. And the question really is going to be more than anything else, who blinks first? It's going to be the Jets. It's going to be the Packers. And, and, and I'm sure you've heard it. It's everywhere. There is just so much garbage out there about who's got more. You know, it depends whatever day of the week you wake up or maybe whatever hour of the day it is, it seems like that team's got more leverage, depending on who you hear it from. Well, the Packers got more leverage. Oh, no, no the, well, you know, the Jets have some more leverage. Oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is actually the one with the leverage, and, you know, they could do whatever the heck he wants. Well, it, it doesn't work like that. You know, we can actually live in a world where both sides can coexist and guess what they can both actually claim to have leverage how about that you know i don't think that it has to be a game there's no give and take and the rumor that's been already you know been floated out is that the packers are the latest this week where the packers want two first round picks or at least a first round pick and then some and to be fair from the moment this thing was even a figment of people's imaginations once upon a time, I've been saying that this is not going to require a first round pick, and I'm going to s- stick with that. Okay? I have not backed off of that. The Jets could be able to get something done without sacrificing a first round pick to go get Aaron Rodgers. I firmly and truly believe that. Now you're going to say, well, look at the last couple of quarterback trades that have happened in the offseason, right? The Russell Wilson one to the Broncos last year. We know that didn't work out great. Broncos paid Norman Lake. Year before that, you had the Rams and the Lions playing musical chairs with the quarterbacks. Stafford and Goff. And the Rams had to give up first-round picks to take on Jared Goff. Or, excuse me, Lions had to give up first-round picks. You know why? Because took on the salary. The Lions took on the salary. And there was a lot of it. Still with Jared Goff, because remember, not too long ago, the Rams signed Jared Goff after he took him to the Super Bowl thinking that he would be their franchise quarterback for years and years and years and years. This isn't one of those situations. They were both in their early 30s, those guys, that got traded. Aaron Rodgers is a guy who's 39 years old. He may play one year, maybe two tops. And that's another story for a little bit later on in the show, but to be fair, that was one of the things that gave me a little bit of pause when he was given his whole diatribe on the McAfee show the other night about, you know, his intentions. And that when he went into the darkness retreat, he was 90 percent sure that he was going to call it a career and that he wasn't going to play. And then two and a half days in the dark, all of a sudden he changed his mind when he found out that Green Bay had plans to move on from him. And so now it's kind of like a chip on my shoulder type thing. I got to go prove to the Packers and prove to the rest of the world that I could still sling it and I'm still a damn good football player. Well, that's great. But. I didn't like that part of it. I didn't I, – th- that didn't sit well with me. But, you know what, his play is going to be the one to ultimately do the talking. So we'll see. But who's got the leverage, right? Who has the upper hand in these negotiations? We'll talk about it at 800-919-3776. And not just that, just overall thoughts on this. I mean, think about this. Aaron Rodgers is going to be – the Jets quarterback, barring something completely unforeseen. When did you ever think, as a Jet fan, you would be able to utter those words? So we'll get into this a little bit deeper. As I said, Mitch Henderson, head coach of the Princeton Tigers, going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock tonight, fresh off their upset win over Arizona yesterday in the NCAA tournament. Dan Gross' show on this Friday night, St. Patty's Day edition, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Gross' show. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
1: You know, a lot of reasons why, uh, you know, the the Jets are attractive. um, But, you know, there's one coach who's been as much to me as any coach I've ever had. Penny Evans be the
0: coordinator there. That's Aaron Rodgers a couple of days ago on the McAfee Show. And, of course, he's referring to Nathaniel Hackett, new offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. We welcome you back in here. Dan Cross, the show, 98.7 ESPN. Taking it until 10 o'clock tonight. Anita comes by then with the weekend wager. Okay, so what is it going to take? What is it going to take to get Aaron Rodgers here? What is it going to take to satisfy the Jets? What's it going to take to satisfy the Green Bay Packers? Because really, that is the last hurdle right now. That is the only thing that stands between Rodgers officially being introduced out there in Florham Park, and I'm sure there's going to be a mass gathering of individuals covering that scene whenever the time comes, and who's got the leverage. Now, first and foremost, I know that if you really want to put a drop dead date on this thing, It really, I think, is something that the Green Bay Packers are going to have to answer to more so than even the Jets because they're the ones that stand to gain in terms of what could help them in the offseason because the Jets are getting the player, right? Last time I looked, the Jets don't have a game until, what, September, whatever. Training camp is going to begin late July. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't even take one snap of the offseason program and just rolls into camp in July, would it stink? Yeah, probably. You want him to establish a little bit of that chemistry with his wide receivers and maybe even act as somewhat of a a sounding board as a guy who knows the offense, knows the system, can help maybe ease that transition a little bit to some of the guys who are going to be trying to pick it up. But the Packers, on the other hand, you know, whether it's the picks, whether it's the players, whatever they're going to get in exchange, you would like to think that that's something that could help them as they try to configure their roster For the 2023 season, because there is going to be a little bit of a different look here. You know, you're going to go into this thing for the first time since 19. Think about this for a second, right? This will be the first week one since 1992 for the Green Bay Packers. That the starting quarterback's name was not Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, you are extremely fortunate if you're able to manufacture a run of consistency like that at the most important position in the game. Two guys, two guys for 30 years have been your starting quarterbacks? That's impressive. You know, the Colts had something a little similar, right, when they had Peyton Manning for all those years and then immediately went right into Andrew Luck. They had a nice run. I don't think it was 30 years. It was more like, you know, 20, but – Still pretty damn good. Pittsburgh Steelers have had two head coaches in 30 years. Bill Cowher's first year, I think, was like 1992. And then they went right into Mike Tomlin. You know, it's no secret that those organizations that generally have been winning their fair share of football games. So what is it going to take to get done? Like I've been saying, I don't think a first-round pick is going to be a necessity here. I don't. I think there's a lot of back and forth that's going on right now about the money. And if indeed Green Bay is going to take on any of that money and maybe foot the bill for some of that $59 million that Rodgers has coming his way for the upcoming season. But let's look at it in a couple of ways here if you're the Green Bay Packers, okay? Whatever type of draft capital that you get from the Jets, whatever it might be, you have to ask yourself, should I take the picks for 2023 or do the picks for 2024 have a little bit more value? And, and, and I'm not looking at it even as much in terms of, okay, what's the draft class that is considered to be better, right? You know, however they've scouted this draft from rounds one through seven and they think the talent pool at whatever level of strength that they think it is versus, you know, the, the preliminary look ahead that the scouts have done for 2024 and the players that could be available in the draft, does it benefit you to have extra picks for that next draft where there's going to be better players available to be had? I don't know. Right. I, I You have to ask them that. But I'll look at it this way. If you want to put the timetable and say, OK, on the 2023 draft is where we want to have a glut of picks. Well. The draft is like a month and 10 days away or thereabouts, five weeks. So then you better get cracking. Right. So there's that sense of urgency from Green Bay. If you believe the 2023 is where you want to have the extra choices and on top of that. All right. Think about the Jets. They were a team last year that won seven games, right? They went seven and ten. They're picking 13th in the first round of the draft this year. Like I said, rule out the first round. I don't think that's something you're going to have to part ways with. But for the rest of the draft, whatever picks that you end up having, all right, those picks this year were okay, mid-round picks. Well, what happens if you send Aaron Rodgers to the Jets Don't you think the Jets are going to be better? I mean, as long as Aaron Rodgers stays on the field, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that the Jets will win more than seven games if Rodgers is on the field, which means that draft pick for 2024 is probably going to be later in the first round. So it might not be as valuable to the Packers. So if I were them, and if you're just judging it on that premise, you probably want the picks for this year, which means you got to get something done. So from that point of view, wouldn't the Jets be the ones that have the leverage? Because Joe Douglas could tell the Packers, hey, guys, we know we're going to have a good football team this year. We'll be fine. We're going to win a lot of games. We expect to be in the playoffs. And, hell, maybe we'll even challenge for a trip to the big game. So it's our plan that in 2024, our first-round pick and our picks are going to be at the back of each round, you know, maybe even late 20s. Well, if that's the case – Green Bay should act pretty fast, no? But then you look at it from the other side with the Jets. They've gone all in on Aaron Rodgers, right? Even before Wednesday happened, they went all in to the point where there's really no other options now. Derek Carr's in New Orleans. Baker Mayfield's in Tampa. I mean, throw out, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is in Vegas. Throw out any realistic, you know, Jacoby Brissett is now in D.C. Any realistic quarterbacking option, not named Aaron Rodgers, that the Jets maybe were thinking about bringing in? Where's that guy now? Who are you going back to? You going to call, you, you, you call Zach Wilson again? You going to see how he's doing? And then check in and see if he's ready to maybe play for you this year? Hey, Zach, what's going on? You know, just wanted to see, we're you know, we're cleaning out the inventory. We got some of these... um. Extra Mike F. and White t-shirts that he didn't take with him when he had to move back down to Miami. Just want to see if, you, ha- if, if you, know, you have any need for him, friends or anything, if you want to have a couple of them. Oh, by the way, how's the arm doing? Oh, you, you think you maybe want to be ready to start you know, at OTAs when we get this thing going? But like, you, you can't do that, right? You're not going back to Zach Wilson. As a matter of fact, I mean, they got to go out there and still find themselves a backup quarterback now. There's got to be another veteran that comes back in unless you're going to roll the whole Joe Flacco thing out again for another year, which, you know, whatever, is what it is. I think it would be kind of cool. Like, the Jets would be the only team in the league to have two Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks on their roster if they bring Joe Flacco back. At least I think they will. I haven't thought about it. But I I, I assume that they would, right? And believe it or not, those two Super Bowl MVPs, they happen, like, within a three-year span of one another. Rodgers was in 2010. Flacco was in 2012. And now they're both going to be um, – on the same roster that would be something but really i mean you know green bay could look at it from that standpoint right the jets have nowhere else to turn this is it for them they have to make this Rodgers move and get it done which i think it will there's not going to be any snag there isn't going to be any hold up because you know what aaron Rodgers could do then you factor in aaron Rodgers. he could just say you know what all right fine guys you want to play hardball You don't want to do the right thing, as they say? Well, then I'm just going to retire him and walk away. And then if he's a retired player, can't just the Jets just sign him? Right? Or Green Bay would technically own his rights for another year, but that's not going to happen. You already had Rodgers fire that initial salvo on the show when he said, now it's up to them to do the right thing. And I don't think it's going to get contentious to the point where we're talking about something that's going to, like, you know, go to court, (laughs) for crying out loud. It's not going to be that bad. But nevertheless, all this talk about leverage, you know, both sides could stake claim to it. I don't think anybody has the upper hand. But from my standpoint, as I laid it out, if the Green Bay Packers want to use those draft choices and feel that the draft choices are going to be more valuable for the 2023 draft versus 24, which I think they will be, then the clock is ticking on them more than anything else, right? 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers and speaking of the Jets, Jets unveiled one of his old and, once again, new targets earlier today at Florin Park, and had some interesting things to say about not just the quarterback, but the guy who's going to be calling the plays for him as well, another guy with a tie to both players. Dan Ross's show, we're rolling until 10 on this Friday, 98.70 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso with you. Taking it right up until 10 o'clock tonight that it's Anita with the weekend wager here on 98.7 ESPN. 800 919 3776. In case you're just joining us, told you a couple of moments ago down in Port St. Lucie, Brandon Nimmo. Awkward slide at the second base needed to be helped off the field. We'll get you an update when that happens. So more misery for the Mets. And our pals there at FDU with a one-point lead over Purdue at halftime. Looking to see if they can shock the world and knock off a one seed, become the second team ever to knock off a one. Remember UMBC did that to Virginia a couple of years ago in the tournament. But long way to go for the Knights. Long, long Way to go. Uh, Remember, tomorrow morning we're back. Saturday morning, our usual vehicle coming up at 9 a.m. So we'll have you covered there. We'll talk to the Princeton coach a little bit later on in the program, Mitch Henderson, coming up at 9 o'clock. They're out west, seeing if they can make it two for two in the NCAA tournament. in The big dance they will take on Missouri in a second-round matchup coming up tomorrow. As far as the Giants are concerned, You know, I I like the moves that the Giants have made. I really and truly do. You know, starting out, of course, with Bobby Okereke, getting him from the Indianapolis Colts, a guy who, you know, is a tackling machine, is essentially what his job is and the role that he is going to provide with this defense. You know, linebacker was a huge, huge hole for this team last year. It was a revolving door, musical chairs, whatever analogy you want to use. This guy is going to help. He's going to help in a major, major way, and he's an up-and-coming, ascending player, 26 years of age. You're not talking about a gray beard. That's why the signing makes a hell of a lot of sense. So I like this one by Joe Shane. Um, Here was O'Karake when he met with the media on why he signed with the Giants and what he's going to bring to the table.
1: I mean, this is a team I had my eye on. There was a lot of mutual interest. And then when things lined up, just worked with my agent. I told him once we had the right deal, I was ready to pull, pull trigger. So this honestly is a per- perfect situation for me. Skill set wise, you're getting a fast, physical linebacker. Very smart, very intelligent. Has good ball skills. And it's sideline to sideline. I love to run and hit. And I'm really just a team first guy. Don't have a big ego, a humble guy. And I just want to win games. Well, you
0: know what? The Giants did win games last year. And they expect to win even more games for this upcoming season. But it's not going to be easy, right? You can't stay status quo. You can't stay neutral. You're going to have to try to go out there and get better. And I think so far here in the offseason, the Giants have done that. You know, you talk about O'Karake. Apparently, they must have really liked the Indianapolis Colts last year because they didn't start there. They signed Paris Campbell, a wide receiver for them. So now when you look at that receiving core, right, because that was probably the area more than anything else that when you looked at the Giants, You re-signed Daniel Jones. You made the commitment. Okay, now what are you going to do to give him the best chance to be successful? The Darren Waller trade a couple of days ago. Love it. Think it's fantastic. Darren Waller will be Daniel Jones' number one target for the upcoming season. Hands down. It's essentially only a one-year deal because you're talking about a player who all the guaranteed money was up at the end of the season. I even saw that they converted some of that money, too, into bonus. So it frees up even more salary cap space for the upcoming season. Waller, I think, is going to be huge here. Then you look at the rest of the wide receivers, okay? They re-signed Darius Slayton. And give Darius Slayton a hell of a lot of credit because this was a guy who was a fringe rotational wide receiver at the beginning of last year, right? I mean, essentially. You're talking about a guy who was a fifth-round pick, Wasn't, you know, a starter, wasn't a guy who was somebody that, you know, we would confuse with being elite or, you know, somebody who was so critical to the team's success. But because of all the injuries and because of guys in and out of the lineup and because of the revolving door that it was for the Giants at that position all season, Slayton was the guy who ended up being their most consistent receiver all season long. And the Giants realized, you know what, this is a guy that we should probably keep around right he has chemistry with the quarterback they seem to work well with one another i mean i know that the numbers don't jump off the page you know you're not going to look at something and say oh the guy got robbed for all pro no that's not what we're suggesting but if you watch the giants all year last year slayton was their best wide receiver now again that might not mean a lot but in fact he was their best wide receiver and i think it's going to benefit all parties involved now having him back for another go-round. They made sure they re-signed Isaiah Hodgins. Okay, you signed Paris Campbell. Wandale Robinson is going to come back from really having his rookie year being shot because of injuries. Sterling Shepard they brought back on like a kind of one-year prove-it type deal if he can ever stay healthy. So you look at those guys they have now. Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, you could throw the other guys like, you know, Richie James into the mix for depth and so on and so forth. Darren Waller at tight end. Bellinger proved that he's capable, even though I think that, you know, he's not a true number one tight end. But now all of a sudden you look at that cast of characters for Daniel Jones and you say, oh, wait, I think we could be successful here. Like, this isn't too shabby. Now, do they have a game breaker amongst that group? Probably not. That would be the one hiccup that I would have right now. For the way the roster is constructed, at least at the skill positions. Now, how do you change that? Well, unless you're going to go out there and make some big blockbuster trade, which I, 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 I don't know. I can't see Daniel or I mean uh, Joe Shane doing something like that, because I think that his one big kind of trade when it came to the offense was the one already to get Darren Waller. Who's to say though? You can't take a wide receiver in the draft. I think the Giants will. I wouldn't even rule out the possibility that they take multiple wide receivers because why stop now? I mean, I understand running the ball is important and all those things, but it's a passing game. It's a passing league. You can't have enough depth at the wide receiver position, as we found out last year, if you're the Giants. Now, look, you could say that about any position you want, but really specifically with the Giants, yeah, I don't think they want to fall down that same trap like they had last year, which is – Even more miraculous when you consider that they had the success that they did. They were able to go all the way to the playoffs last year with the MASH unit that they called their wide receiving core. So, little by little, slowly but surely, they're building this thing up. Forgot my guy Jeff Smith, too. They signed Jeff Smith, who was with the Jets for the last few years. Jeff Smith was a college quarterback at Boston College, transition wide receiver, and Guy plays special teams, you know, had opportunities to get some run in the offense, prove that he's capable. I mean, he's not a starter. You know, let's not confuse anything here. I mean, he's not a starting wide receiver, but he's a good depth player. You know, could work out of the slot if need be. Shifty. He was in that game last year against the Lions at MetLife Stadium where there should have been a pass interference. Flag thrown on the Detroit DB where Zach Wilson was trying to connect with him right before the half. I mean, the replay showed it. was that He was, like, tackling him. He was hugging him. And the refs missed one there. It should have been a P.I. But nevertheless, you know, now he's going to be catching passes from Daniel Jones. It's a good guy, you know, good locker room guy. And they're trying to collect as many of them as possible, I think, in East Rutherford. And and like I said, that's what the objective is. Now, they lost Julian Love today, which kind of stinks. He was a big part of that defense. Popular player. Good dude. He went and signed with the Seattle Seahawks out in the great Northwest, gave him a little bit more money. So they're going to have to find a way, the Giants, to replace that presence in the secondary. And, you know, does that mean somebody like Jason Pinnock is going to get more of an opportunity? Again, another former Jet that they picked up and gave him some reps late in the year? We'll see. But the offseason isn't over yet, folks. Remember, this is still the first week. Technically the first week. A lot of stuff still has to happen, including, of course, the biggest event, which is the draft, only five weeks away. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We come back. We'll switch gears and do a little baseball here, and we'll get into the Edwin Diaz injury, the World Baseball Classic, and what can be done to prevent these things from moving forward again. Dan Gross' show, We Roll Till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get to the Alan Lazard stuff here in just a second, but this kind of happened. <laughs> I mean, I'm watching, the, I'm watching the footage now, and I just I, I can't believe it. So hopefully the words will come out of my mouth properly. So the Mets are playing a game down in Port St. Lucie tonight against the Marlins. And... Oh, that looked bad. Brandon Nimmo was running a second base. I don't even know if he could say to break up a double play because they weren't going to get him anyway, and he didn't really make a good effort to break it up, but he slid in awkwardly, something with his right knee, and he was writhing in pain on the ground, stayed on the ground for a while, and he had to be helped off the field by the trainer in uh, Buck Showalter. So if you're a Mets fan, and the news wasn't good enough the other night about losing Edwin Diaz for the season after a celebration in the World Baseball Classic, now you get Brandon Nimmo, With, what, two weeks until opening day? Who they gave $162 million to during the offseason. And, and again, money well spent. They had to do it. You know, top of that lineup, it would look a lot worse without Brandon Nimmo. And there he is. I'm watching him limp off the field. As soon as we get an update, we'll share it with you. So the Mets, potentially, potentially, in a matter of, what, 48 hours? You lose your all-star closer. You lose your potentially leadoff hitter and center fielder due to a awkward slide into second base. Great. Great. I mean, it, you know what? I am a, I, I'm willing to believe anything, really and truly, and I've been saying this for you. I mean, you name me a franchise that's cursed.
1: It, it, it's,
0: it, it's beyond belief the things that happen to this team. I think if it rhymes, if the franchise, if it rhymes with ets, whether it's Mets, Jets, you could say it's cursed. Because some of the results of the last 50 years would go a long way towards making you believe such a thing. When it rains, it pours, whatever analogy you want to come up with. But look, we're not going to overreact just yet, right? We're going to stay calm. We're going to be rational about this whole thing. Can't be that bad, right? Can't be season-ending bad, right? Because that stuff only happens at the World Baseball Classic during a celebration. If the guys are met, that's when those type of injuries happen. It's not going to happen in spring training. Come on! Hi, go Mets! Yay! You know what? You know what? I hope we could be saying that at the end of the night. I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm not even going to allow myself to go there. I'm not. I'm not going to be a positive themed show. St. Patrick's Day, right? Maybe the Mets will have some luck of the Irish tonight. Cause they certainly don't have any luck of the baseball gods. Any of the baseball gods Irish? Can we confirm that, Julian? I don't know if we can look that up on the internet. I'll can we Google baseball gods like the roster of them? Whoever the hell they are. They're probably anonymous though. I mean, that's what it's come to. We're we're sitting here we're sitting here trying to suck hope out of fictitious individuals. Oh, my gosh. 800-919-3776. So, yeah, I guess if you're a Met fan, whatever type of um, beverages you were looking to consume tonight, you might have to consume a few more if this Nimo thing turns out to be as wonderful as the Edwin Diaz was a couple of nights ago. Anyway, um, so we'll get you an update when we have it. Alan Lazard is going to be Aaron Ro- one of Aaron Rodgers' new targets again with the Jets. They signed him to a four-year deal. And earlier today, he met the media out at Florham Park. So he was asked, well, why'd you want to be a Jet?
1: A lot of things, honestly. Starting one, born and raised in the Midwest, Des Moines, Iowa. You know, played in Green Bay these past few years. But personally, for me, I just want to get to a big city. I wanted to get to a spot that especially has just a melting pot of culture and just be able to get that experience. You know, the bright lights. New York City is something, you know, I came out here for the first time a few months ago to get the experience of the city and everything. So that was something that really attracted me to come to New York.
0: See, I'm the complete opposite. Like, I'm, you know, from here, big city, and I probably would look to go to some place relatively quiet like I like my quiet I don't like the hustle the bustle and that type of thing but Aaron Lazard is looking for a little bit of a pick-me-up which is fine and I think he'll do well here I really and truly do and I don't think that him being here as I said the other day I don't think that it's necessarily 100% tied to Aaron Rodgers coming over as the quarterback because I think the Jets had eyes on him what this means for somebody like Corey Davis moving forward I think we could kind of play connect the dots but remains to be seen when you think about the money that Corey Davis would have been owned this year versus what they're paying Alan Lazard, it's kind of a little bit of a wash. You're talking about a guy who's, you know, big physical outside receiver, good in run blocking with the zone schemes and, and such. And I think that, you know, this is a guy that they coveted with or without Rodgers being the quarterback. Well, what about the fact, speaking of Rodgers, hey, you had all that success with him in Green Bay over the last couple of years. What about now being potentially having him as your quarterback again with the Jets?
1: He works out at the same place I do in los angeles so we we're able to kind of cross paths and just connect a little bit and share our insight on, on what we were thinking and everything but there's no implications of trying to do this in a sense you know like like i had previously said you know we were both trying to do what's right for the both of us i you know obviously him and his situation is a little bit different with his career and everything and where i want to take my career the next step and stuff so obviously standing here today feels good knowing that 12 is going to be my quarterback again
0: it was funny because he said something he's like well um i think they asked him if he had any sort of communication with Aaron Rodgers during this whole process. Like when we were trying to get to the bottom of it and get some answers and figure out just what the heck was going on. And he said, well, to be honest with you, communication with Aaron in the offseason is kind of minimized. (laughs) Yeah, because the guy's going on a darkness retreat and things like that. He probably just goes off the grid. And, you know, the next time you talk to him, we're probably going to be like OTAs. Gee whiz. And lastly, What are the expectations going to be, uh, Allen, for the Jets with Aaron Rodgers?
1: You know, I think with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, the the possibility of win is always a thing. With that being said, like, it's really the Super Bowl. And I think that's especially at the point of his career and everything and his ability. I mean, four-time MVP winner, one back-to-back MVPs two, three years ago. His caliber of play automatically elevates everybody's potential and abilities on the field immediately. So we have high expectations. I have high expectations.
0: And they should. I mean, that's why they've moved heaven and earth to go get him, and that's why they put such an emphasis and a premium on upgrading the position. I mean, they told you that at the end of the season, right? The owner came out and said quarterback is the missing piece. I believe he used the term plug and play. That was going to be the deciding factor between a club that, you know, had some talent but ultimately couldn't get over the hump down the stretch of the season and missed out on a playoff opportunity versus a club that now you get this guy And now all of a sudden, the sky is the limit. When you think about the teams that are in the AFC and you think about the quarterbacks that you're going to have to go head-to-head with, yeah, it helps to have a guy like this. And as I said the other day after it happened on Wednesday, you now go into every game if you're the Jets, right? Each and every game with a quarterback who you feel can give you a legit shot to win it. The gunslinger. You're never out of it. You always have a shot. And they probably haven't had that guy that would give you that feel as a fan maybe since that one year with Brett Favre, to be quite honest with you, right? Where you'd go into any matchup thinking, okay, we got our guy. Give us your best shot. You know, because if you think about all the quarterbacks since then, it's, you know, Sanchez, Geno Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown. Darnold, Zach Wilson, I mean, you name it, right? You never really had somebody established enough to where they were considered one of the upper echelon guys in the game that, yeah, we got our guy. We're good. Now you got that guy again. And that's what makes this whole thing exciting. And I'm sure that, you know, if you're a fan, you'd probably like some finality. Hell, the Jets would like some finality with everything that's gone on here. It'll get done. Trust me. It will get done. We'll also keep you updated here on this Nimo news from down in Port St. Lucie, which is just par for the course if you're a Met fan. What can I tell you? Good first half out of FDU. Believe it or not, they got a halftime lead over Purdue. Top seed, 32-31. to Still got a lot of basketball to be played. All right? Long, long way to go still. I mean, we just got done talking about the UConn-Iona game where Iona had a lead at halftime, and then UConn ran them out of the gym over the final 20 minutes. So we'll see what happens there. We come back, though. Take your calls at 800-919-3776. Also get into the Giants stuff. Giants have been making some moves here. Maybe not the big splashy moves, right? But they've made some quality additions, I think, to their club that, given where they are right now with Daniel Jones and the rest of the offense, I think they're pretty solid, and even on the defensive side as well. Then we'll get into the whole Edwin Diaz stuff and the World Baseball Classic and the injury issues to start our second hour. Dan show. we are rolling. Till ten o'clock tonight, right here on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. <laughs>